Well, today is a, a great day to be walking with God, isn't it? Uh, it doesn't get any better than walking with God through life. And we have an opportunity to be totally reminded and totally absorbed in, in that reality today. Uh, I remember it was 14 years ago uh, that I did something that I'd never done before in my life to that degree. I took three or four months and I spent time alone with God every day. And I just asked God during, during that time uh, to, to break my life down and to show me if there was anything in my life that was standing between me and Him. I, I took my life and I divided it into five-year increments. And I went back as far as I could remember. And I, I wrote down everything the Holy Spirit of God revealed to me in my life where I had committed sin or injustice against someone. And, and I made, I made a, a moral inventory, a, a detailed list. It's, it's sort of like, for those of you who are familiar with 12-step program, uh, steps four through eight. I mean, uh, it starts in step four by making that moral inventory. Uh, and, and I remember going through that experience and slowly walking through that experience with God and coming out on the other side knowing that every sin that I had ever committed that I knew anything about, that God uh, had, had revealed to me, I had confessed and, where necessary, had had the opportunity to make amends for the sin that I committed not only against God, but against somebody else. Timothy Keller tweeted this past week, and I quote, All money, talent, health, power, and pleasure in the world are God's, but the greatest treasure He can give us is life in His presence. His face, not the gifts of His hands, though they are welcome, is where we find glory that other things fail to provide. End of quote. See, confession and repentance to God opens the door to God's mercy and God's forgiveness. And that's where we find ourselves today in Psalm 51. And so if you have your Bible, uh, we've had it read, but open your Bible to Psalm 51 uh, as we want to celebrate along with David today what confession and repentance truly look like. That's what I want from each one of us today. So whether you're sitting here live in this room or whether you're watching on a video screen somewhere, I pray that you will open up your Bible and open up your mind to listening to what God has to say to us today because there are some surely, there's some sure action that needs to take place in all of our lives today. So there are three results from confession and repentance as we look at Psalm 51 in opening the door for us to walk with God. So let's just dive in and look at them. First of all, confession and repentance activate the mercy of God. In the prescript to this psalm, the prescript says, For the choir director, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So this is a record of a story that we have in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. 2 Samuel chapter 11 uh, takes us to the story where David 
utterly had a moral breakdown. And he committed adultery with his neighbor's wife. And because of his adultery then, he had to follow up that sin with another sin because Bathsheba became pregnant from that act of David. And so he had to follow up the sin of adultery with a sin of having Bathsheba's husband murdered, Uriah. Two horrible sins. But there was also a third sin, not only to cover up adultery with Bathsheba and committing murder against Uriah, his third major sin was utterly failing in his leadership responsibility. Now, in some ways, maybe not in those details, and I pray that's not true about you, but in some way, all of us can relate directly to David's heart at this particular time in his life. And so, as he made his confession that we have so clearly represented in Psalm 51, we follow David's life after that. This was about a year after he committed those horrible crimes, those horrible sins. In verse 1, he cries out, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David confessed thoroughly and he repented deeply on the basis of God's mercy and God's forgiving heart and God's unfailing love. When you sin, for those who confess and repent, God has mercy. When you sin, for those who confess and repent, God is forgiving. When you sin, those who repent, God shows his unfailing love to the repentant heart, to the repentant sinner. Uh, Some translations Uh, translate that word loving kindness. Some translations uh, translate it steadfast love. Uh, In essence, it simply means that, that God pours out all of the love that could possibly be poured out on any individual. When we confess and when we repent of our sin. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the greatest news in the world uh, to me, that God would be that willing to forgive a repentant heart. And so David admitted that he was guilty. He confessed that his sin was real. He didn't whitewash it. He told God exactly what he had done, knowing that God already knew, but he needed to confess. This term that is used here for blot out is a a court term. It it literally means uh, to wipe out the charges. His plea was for God's mercy rather than God's justice. Mercy is when you know that you're guilty, and yet you beg for compassion and leniency rather than justice. So David owned and he admitted his sin. He compared his sin with uh, dirty laundry in verse 2. He says, wash me thoroughly uh, from my iniquity. I grew up in a home with five boys, and my mother washed clothes almost every day. And when she washed clothes, our washing machine was out under the carport. She had to go outside under the carport in a little utility room on the backside of our carport. And 
I never, and through my senior year in high school, I never washed a load of clothes. And so my freshman year, I travel, you know, 12 hours away to college. And after the first month in school, uh, I was out of clothes. My clothes were all dirty. And so I had to wash my clothes. And so I bundled all the clothes up and put them all in the biggest shirt that I had. And I tied a knot in the sleeves of the church shirt and in the bottom of the shirt. And I marched myself down to the laundry room on our hall at the dormitory at Furman. And I took that wad of clothes and I threw them up in the washing machine, put the soap in, turned it on, put four quarters in. Uh, at the end of the cycle, I took that load of clothes, still bundled together, and threw it in the dryer. And the dryer ran through a load of, of clothes and dried. I carried that bundle, still the knot tied, back to my room. And I untied the knot in the sleeves and in the bottom of the shirt. And guess what? The clothes were still dirty. <laughs> Because they were all knotted up in a bundle. Now, that is not the way David dealt with his sin. David wanted complete cleansing. And so he untied the knot to his soul. He untied the knot to his heart. He did a moral inventory before God that was complete and that was totally exposed. David's desire was that he would be cleansed and forgiven so that his fellowship with God would be restored so he didn't stink like dirty clothes. So he says in verse 3, look at it with me, for I know my transgression, my sin is ever before me. David was fully aware of the seriousness, the filthiness, the dirtiness of his sin. And his confession revealed that he lived constantly with that guilt of his sin and wanted relief from being constantly haunted by the memory of his sin. I mean, I've been there. I know what that's like to carry guilt of sin, just like David knew what it was like to carry the guilt of sin. Sin in the life of a true believer will always create a guilty conscience, will always create a spirit, an attitude of, of a heavy burden. And you and I were not created to carry that burden along and around in life. So one of my role models growing up when I was still in high school was a man by the name of Mr. Pete Highnote. He was one of my idols. In his early life, he was a wicked shipyard worker. His language was horrible. He had a drinking problem. He abused his family. He was mean to people. And just before his retirement, he confessed that he was a sinner. And he repented of his sinful behavior and he gave his life to Jesus. And I saw God radically transform his life from being a mean, wicked, drunken, abusive father and husband into <clears throat> a repentant sinner who was one of the greatest witnesses for the last 15 years of his life and one of the greatest prayer warriors that I experienced as a teenager. 
He became a tremendous encourager to me as a teenager because he modeled the guilt-free life of a repentant sinner. And you and I can experience that as well as we move through life. If you've never experienced that, I, I plead with you to experience that repentant attitude and heart so that you can live the rest of your life guilt-free just like Mr. Pete did. David prayed in verse 4 against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Now David knew that he had committed sin against Bathsheba and Uriah and the people of Israel. But he realized that those were just symptoms of the real problem of his sin. The real root of his sin was in his heart. Do you see it in this passage? He cried out to God and he said, God, against you I have sinned. Against you my relationship with you has been destroyed because of my sin against you. All the other people that have been influenced by my sin just create collateral damage. The major damage is between me and you. So there was no such thing in David's mind as whitewashing his sin. And for you and me today, we understand that there's no such thing as minor sin. All sin destroys our relationship with God. And we have to get serious about dealing with our sin. Some sins affect more than just you. And you cannot walk with God with unconfessed sin in your life. And when you're not walking with God, you may not know it. But you're creating disaster, not only in your life, but in the life of everybody around you. Especially, especially those people who are closest to you and look up to you. Sin, unconfessed sin, does not mix with the heart of God. Not any more than oil mixes with water. You know that principle. So how often do we try to shift the blame when we sin against God? Not David. He didn't try to shift the blame. He made a full confession. He owned and admitted his sin. And he knew that he deserved justice. But he prayed for God's mercy. So in verse 5, he prays, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. See, David acknowledged the fact that what he did came from who he was. He realized that his parents had been born into sin, just like you and I have been born into sin. Sin started with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and that sin nature is inborn, and it's unavoidable. It's the most powerful challenge that any human being can face in our world today. We have lots of challenges, don't we? But the most powerful challenge you and I can face is the sin nature that is inherent in every person that's ever been born on planet Earth. And David knew that he was living in the power of that sinful heart that he had before God. And so 
He prayed and asked God to forgive him. David knew that he was living a lie. That, that whole year that went by after he committed that horrible sin against Bathsheba and against Uriah and against the people of Israel, he spent a whole year spinning his wheels in the guilt of that sin. And then he came to the point where he was confronted by Nathan the prophet and he immediately exposed his sin before God. See, wisdom led him to honestly and openly deal with his sin. I pray that's the desire of your heart today. As I pray that that's the desire of my heart as well. We can pray along with David in verse 7 and say, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Sin stains human life. Always has, does now, and always will. And so David asked God to remove the stains of his sin while restoring him to a purified life. David made a comparison here to a person who has leprosy. When a person has leprosy, the skin is contaminated and life becomes unmanageable and becomes almost destroyed. Uh, a number of years ago, back in the middle 70s, Gail and I had a chance to go to Haiti, and we actually saw a person whose body had been mangled by leprosy. The nose had been eaten away from the face. There were just two little holes stuck in the front of her face. I mean, it was a horrible picture. And that's the picture that David had in mind about his sin. See, David had seen the Levitical ritual practiced in the process where hyssop, which is a bushy little shrub, was dipped in blood by the priest. And seven times the blood would be sprinkled on the leper to provide possible healing for the leper at God's altar. David had seen this done, and David looked at his life, he looked at his sin, and saw himself as a spiritual leper who could only be cleansed by the cleansing power of blood. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 brings this home for you and me today. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Now that's good news for you and me today. Because God has provided the perfect sacrifice for every sin that's ever been committed on planet earth past, present, and future. It's His own blood. The blood of God the Son, Jesus, that God has provided to pay the price for the penalty of your sin. And you can be whiter than snow today by confessing Jesus. David saw himself as one who needed to be purified, cleansed, made white as snow by the sacrificial blood of the Lamb. And you and I have that opportunity today when we admit and repent of our sin on the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ 
and we then confess Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior and the controller of our life, that's when we can be set free from the wickedness of sin and the damage that sin does. And we can be set free to walk in victory over that sin. The second result then from confession and repentance of opening the door for us to walk with God is that confession and repentance restore joy to your soul. We see this expressed from the heart of David in verses 8 through 12. See, you can tell when, when someone has lost their joy, can't you? I mean, have you ever had someone walk by you and ask you, what's wrong with you? You look like you've lost your best friend. Or you look like something's bothering you. I remember I was walking along the, the sidewalk along the beach one day, walking my dog. And one of my friends pulled up beside me. And he said, Ronnie, what's wrong with you? You look so sad. See, when you're sad, you can't hide it. I mean, it comes out in your face. It comes out in your body language. And that's the way David was feeling at this particular moment in his life. I remember also as a teenager feeling the, the, the utter sadness and brokenness when, when I committed an awful, an awful sin one time as, as a teenager. And the grief and the regret and the pain inside just seemed so unbearable until I came to the point of just coming clean and totally confessing it to God and to the person that I had sinned against. See, the result of David's sin had caused his connection to God to be broken, and that caused a deep sadness, even deeper than the sin that he had committed in his life. And he realized that, and so verse 8, he prays, Let me hear the joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. So David's, his whole body ached under this heavy burden of sin. I've been there. I know what that feels like. I'm sure you've been there as well. He just couldn't shake that feeling. He, he knew what the cause was. And so he came to the point where in his brokenness, as his sin had been exposed, he made a full confession before God. He knew that forgiveness would restore and revive his soul. And that the gladness of life would be returned to him. So in verse 9, he prayed, Hide your soul, hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. So once again, he's using this court term here. He's asking God to see beyond his sins. You know what it's like when, when you sin against somebody and you see that person and you feel like every time you see that person, that person only sees you through the lens of the sin that you committed against them. Or maybe you think other people have known about that sin and every time you see other people, you think they're looking at you like they're looking at you through the lens of that, that sin that you're commit, you've committed. That's the way David felt at this particular time in, in his life. And David wanted to be right, not only with people around him, he wanted to be right with God. And so he was asking God for acquittal. 
He was saying, God, I want you to expunge this crime from my life so that I no longer have to even live with its memory. That's a powerful prayer. And one I've taken advantage of and one I pray you will take advantage of today as well. Take away the memory of the pain of the crime that I've committed against you, God, primarily against you. But also, as I confess to other people, take away the memory of that sin in their life about me and me about what I've done to them as well. For years, um, we've done background checks on people who are serving in many capacities. In our church, I was doing a background check on a person one time. He had he'd come out of a, a horrible lifestyle and he said, Pastor, when you do that background check on me, it's going to light up like a Christmas tree. And it did. <laughs> I mean, it lit up like a big, bold Christmas tree. But the man had been honest with me. And because he had been honest with me, it changed my attitude about him in a positive way. I was so thankful that he had told me that. I didn't find out about it when, you know, we ran the ran the background check. David was asking God to treat more than just the symptoms of his sin. He was asking God to treat the heart of his sin, the source of his sin. So in verses 10 and 11, he says, Create in me a clean heart. See, he's getting at the source. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Sin is a heart problem. The actions that we commit simply come from what's in our heart. And David knew that. And so he prayed, he said, God, create in me a clean heart. The only way a person can have a clean heart is through the blood sacrifice of the Lamb of God. And that's what David was praying for. He was praying for a clean heart, a restored clean heart. David confessed his sin, and in repentance, he asked God for a restored presence with God. He wanted all the joy all the contentment that comes from repentance and confession to be restored in his walk with God. See, David was the king of Israel. He was also the father of many children. He wanted to have a good testimony and witness in the eyes of his children, but that was nothing compared to the relationship he wanted to have restored with God. And that he wanted to maintain with God. He proved that the joy of the Lord and sin cannot mix. Are you aware of that truth today? The joy of the Lord and sin cannot mix in the same heart. And so repent along with David today of any sin that God might convict you of. See, effective service for God can only be accomplished with the Spirit of God. And that's what David prayed for in verse 11. He said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. 
We know what it's like today to deal with coronavirus, COVID-19. We go and we have tests run to see. I mean, many of you have probably had tests run for COVID-19. And when you get the test run, what do you do? You anxiously wait until you get the result back, right? Well, when you confess and repent of your sin before God, you don't have to wait to get the result back. It's immediate. The Holy Spirit of God connects with your spirit. And He will immediately wash you as white as snow. Isaiah picked up on this in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. He says, wash me and I shall be white as snow. He quoted David at that particular point in his life. Well, that leads to the third result of confession and repentance because David wanted to be a successful servant of God. He wanted to serve God. And so, if you want the door to be open to you walking with God, then the result of that is going to be that God is going to give you the opportunity through confession and repentance to release the power of worship in your life. Confession and repentance release the power of worship in your life. We see that in verses 13 through 19. See, for David, a cleansed, joyful heart produced a life that was ready to serve God. He didn't want to just walk with God for himself, although that would have been awesome, wouldn't it? He wanted his life to be useful to God. He wanted to serve God. And so David prayed for forgiveness so that he could be a witness to the forgiving power of God. Look at verse 13. Then, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing along with your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Do you see it? Forgiveness from any sin, but especially from an awful sin like David had committed, leads to restoration. Repentance, confession and repentance leads to restoration. And that comes after forgiveness opens the door for you then to be an effective servant of God. That's what David was asking for. In verse 16, he says, You will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. So you can come to church all you want to, and if your heart is not connected with the heart of God, you're really not worshiping Him, and there's no way you can effectively serve Him with an unconfessed, unrepentant heart. But when you have a heart that's confessional and repentant, and God does restore to you the joy of your salvation, then you become an open vessel to be used by God to be a servant of His. See, humility before God and brokenness over sin are expressions of genuine confession. And that's what 
God, David is talking about in verses 16 and 17. Confession and repentance open the door to restore joy and worship and service. Verse 18, do good to Zion and your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then, you will, then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. So David was the leader of Israel. He, he knew it. He knew that his personal holiness affected the holiness of a whole nation because he was the worship leader in Israel. He was the leader. Just like fathers are leaders in our home and we have the privilege and responsibility to lead our families in holiness. Corporate renewal like this, gathered in a, in, a, in a worship gathering like this, corporate renewal follows personal renewal. We have to get our own hearts right first, and then the corporate expression becomes valid. David's heart had to be right before his worship could be right. And the same is true with you and me today. See, walking with God in confession and repentance is an incredible way to live. God wants to use you, you as his representative today. David was seeking revival. His life, which vive, the, the second part of the word revival is to live, had been broken, destroyed in his relationship with God. He wanted revival. And so this truly became a turning point in David's life. And I pray today will become a turning point in many of your lives as well. David went on after this to be described in God's word as a man after God's own heart. Wouldn't that be great to be the testimony of your life and my life today? Even though we've sinned, no matter what we've done in the past, we become a person after God's own heart. In 1741, Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon that rocked the whole world. The sermon was entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. It initiated a worldwide revival. And that revival started right here in the United States of America. Two years after Jonathan Edwards preached that sermon, uh, he wrote a letter concerning revival. And I want to read you a quote that I hope you will let sink into your heart and your soul today. He said, revival is, and I quote, deep humiliation, brokenness of heart, Poverty of spirit, mourning for sin, solemnity of spirit, and trembling reverence toward God, tenderness, and a readiness to esteem others better than oneself. End of quote. Do you see it? Walking with God starts with confessional, repentant hearts, and then moves to 
God-like actions toward other people. You, you can't have one without the other. So how do I hold life together when the whole world's falling apart? Well, it starts by me admitting that my sin, my personal sin, is the world's biggest problem. That's right. Of all the problems in the world out there, my sin is the biggest, is the biggest problem with the world today. I want to admit that. I want to own that just like David did. Your sin does not disqualify you from knowing and serving God. Did you hear that? I want to say that again. Your sin does not disqualify you from knowing and serving God. But failure to confess and repent of your sin does disqualify you from knowing and serving God. So don't fall into that trap today. Join David's example. See, it doesn't get any better than walking with God in confession and repentance. And the only way you can walk with God is to admit and confess and repent of your sin with the same broken and contrite heart that David has. So three quick application points from this psalm today, and I pray you'll spend time this week looking at this psalm and letting God wash it over your soul as I've been doing for the last couple of weeks. First of all, I challenge you to agree with God about your personal sin. That means to approach God, as Jonathan Edwards said, in humility and brokenness. Not arrogantly, not with pride in your life, but just let God break you down to reality of, of your sin. Confess that pride in your heart. First John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So number one, agree with God about your personal sin. Number two, turn away from your sins. Just do it. Just turn away from your sins. That starts with repentance. And that's where repentance actually starts. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. And then thirdly, turn back to God with a clean heart. You turn away from your sin and then you turn back to God. Acts chapter 26 and verse 20, Repent and turn to God performing deeds in keeping with repentance. See, actions follow repentance. I learned a great lesson from my freshman laundry experience. I can't keep my sins in a safe little bundle. I've got to expose every single one of them so I can be fully cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have to expose every one of them so I can be washed as white as snow. Last Saturday, and I close with this, uh, we drove to Charleston for our son-in-law's birthday. Uh, Mackenzie had planned a, an afternoon picnic out in Hampton Park, which is right next to the Citadel campus, a huge park with a lake out beside it and uh, it's just a wonderful place to have a large gathering. And everything went fine until 
everybody left the party and Mackenzie rolled our granddaughter in her stroller across the park back to the car and when she got back to the car the wheels of the stroller and her shoes were may I, may I just say they were covered with deposits from the hundreds and hundreds of Canadian geese that occupy that park. It was a painful, smelly process for the wheels of that stroller and the shoes of my daughter to be cleansed. I mean, it took the loving heart that only a mother could have and a whole box of baby wipes to cleanse those wheels and to cleanse those shoes. But God has done way more than that for you and me. God has provided for you and me His great love to provide forgiveness and mercy when we deserve punishment and justice. I pray today, just like this was for David, I pray this will be a turning point in your life. I pray that you will activate the mercy of God by true confession and repentance from anything the Holy Spirit reveals to you about the sin in your life. I pray that you will let God restore the joy of your soul and the confession of your repentance would provide for you a restored walk with God in your relationship with Him that will change the direction of your life just like it did David's. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Join me as we pray. God, thank you today that your word does not candy coat sin. Thank you for reminding us of the hardness, the disaster of trying to live life as a believer carrying sin in our life. God, I pray that you would give us today the same heart that you gave David. That as you call us and convict us of sin in our life, whether it be the sin of rejecting you because we've never turned our life over to you before, God, I pray that today would be the day that many would say, God, I want to know you. I want to walk with you. I want to live for you. I want to be used by you to be a servant. God, I pray that would start today in the life of many people who would pray and ask Jesus to be their Savior for the first time in their life. Admit sin, repent of sin, turn to Jesus. Say, God, make my life usable before you. And then, God, I pray for every believer today, like David, who has transgressed your law, has turned against you, has committed sin. God, give us a confessional, repentant heart. Take us to your altar today now, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.